match week one is officially in the books. What an exhilarating weekend of football. Yeah, a lot of good games. A lot, plenty of good games. Plenty of good games that I slept through, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but we'll get into all of it. Before we start, though, a bit of, bit of sad news from the two-man wall team. This, as upon my departure into my junior year of my collegiate adventure, will be our last podcast in the official two-man wall studio. I'll be heading to Bloomington, Indiana to pursue my academics. But that will not stop the two-man wall content. We will be doing the podcast via the interwebs. Mm -hmm. However, this is the last one that will be done in the confines of our New Jersey home. At least for you. I'll probably... Yeah, I mean, I don't know where you're going. I don't want to move the mics. Anyways, without any further ado, we'll hop right into the football, starting with the opener of the Premier League season. Crystal Palace hosting Arsenal Football Club. That one went 2-0 to the Gunners, starting off with an early chance from... uh, Maybe we should call him Jesus instead. (laughs) Because it really mispronouncing it this it whole time. Really, it really suits him better biblically and in football context. He, I say, walked through the palace defense, but it was more of like a a dance. He just like strutted almost. <laughs> just he, he was so confident. Three players with three consecutive La Croquetas, I think. Dusting three players, got a toe on it towards goal, deflected to No, the first one was a nutmeg, then the lock croquette. The, 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 the nutmeg, of course. That's when I peed. I, <laughs> that, that, it was on that nutmeg where I peed a little. Um, shot was deflected, came off to Martinelli, six yards from goal, keeper dead to rights, drags it wide on his left. It was at this moment that I thought, all right, fourth place is okay. <laughs> I would be satisfied with Europa. However, Martinelli did not wait very long to make amends for this. A long ball straight from the training ground off a yeah. corner kick. Off Zinchenko's head. Unmarked Zinchenko, by the way. Vieira's got to be working on that. Zinchenko's head, back of the, 18, uh, back of the six yard box. Martinelli, for some reason, got his head on it over all the tall boys we got in the box. Uh-huh. We have an extra one at right back. We had Ben White at right back, who was an extra tall boy. Mm-hmm. None of them got their head on it. Fell to Martinelli. Made no mistake this time. 1 nothing Arsenal. Martinelli's actually pretty good in the air. He scored a couple like really nice headers in his Arsenal career. But yeah, I mean, Arteta said after the game that that really was straight from the training ground, that they did it the night before. So yeah, well done, Arsenal, for working on their set pieces. Clearly it worked here, and Arsenal often early lead. It was the Martinelli goal that kind of caused Arsenal, as they usually do, to take their foot off the gas, uh-huh. as their foot was very much on the gas for the that first 20 minutes. That first 20 minutes, minutes was just absolutely yeah, I all was, Arsenal. They I were... was kind of dreaming of the Premier League <laughs> trophy at that point. Like, I'm not even kidding. They were fluid, was, was yeah. the word I would use. Um, but because of that, taking the foot off the gas, it led to the Utsun Edward chance in the 42nd minute. Uh, long ball from Eze was off a set piece. To Anderson, heading it across the box to Edward, who was unmarked. About eight yards from goal. Couldn't generate the power, really, to get it past uh, Ramsdale. Ramsdale mm-hmm. was well-positioned, yeah. I think, but I, Edward could have done better there. He definitely could have done better, but still, great positioning from Ramsdale. I mean, it's a save that he should be making, but still a good-looking save. Mm-hmm. Seems like Ramsdale does make a couple of those types of saves where yeah. it looks better than... Yeah. It really was, but still, still need to he needed to be in the in right position. position. Need to get his hand on it. I've seen plenty of keepers, you know, fluff those kinds of saves, but he was alert and he kept Arsenal one goal up. The chances continued for Crystal Palace. Eze picked up a 1v1 opportunity from a brilliant Wilfred Zaha threading the needle pass uh, in behind the Arsenal defense. 1v1 with Ramsdale, but again, Ramsdale did well to close the gap. I mean, it was a rather anticlimactic finish from Eze, let's say that. Yeah. But uh, Ramsdale still needed to close the angle. No, that was definitely Palace's best chance of the game. And I wrote in my notes here that Zaha and Eze could be a very dangerous partnership sure, this yeah. season. Because it seems like everything that was dangerous from Palace was coming through them. I mean, the long balls out wide to Zaha where he's taking on uh, Ben White, you know, not in his usual position at right back, mm-hmm. even though he can play there. But no, Eze was very creative through the midfield, always being direct. Same with Zaha. So Arsenal held them out for this game, and Ramsdale kept Eze out on that play. Yeah. But 
for this season, I'd be looking out for Zaha and Eze. From the 52nd minute to the eventual uh, dagger, the Gehi own goal, it was pretty much Crystal Palace. I mean, yeah. Odegaard had that one chance where he should have shot, but for the most part, it was Arsenal kind of soaking pressure. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say getting dominated because it would be unfair to say dominated, but I would say they were soaking pressure a lot. Yeah, they soaked regard. up a lot of pressure. There was only one like real stint where like they had like two like real like scrambles inside yeah. the box where you know i thought palace were going to equalize but they got through it and three points don't have to be pretty in the prem and this wasn't necessarily an ugly win for arsenal but it did get ugly at points in the second half for them and uh eventually as yeah. we'll get into they finished it off yeah soccer gets played into a 1v1 with Tariq mitchell by the newly subbed on Enketia. Beats him to his right foot, as Saka likes to do. R- rips it across the box. I, Upon replay, I thought Tierney was at the back post. If nobody touches this, it probably goes harmlessly wide. But Gehi tries to be the hero. Sticks his foot out, back of the net. And that would cause a strong gust of wind to blow across Selhurst Park from all the Arsenal fans exhaling. Because yeah. that was a underwhelming half of football. Especially considering what happened in the first half mm-hmm. with that domination. They kind of like I said, soaked a lot of pressure in that second half. And that second goal in the 85th minute could not have come soon enough because it looked for a while like they wouldn't be taking three points in this game. Yeah, it was a rare attack into the final third for Arsenal at that point in the game, really. And there was another play in the second half where Saka got it you know, onto his right foot at wide and he tried to shoot it and horribly miscued it. And I'm screaming at Saka to just fizz it across the box yeah. and just hope for something to happen. And this time, that's what he did, and he got rewarded. So it ended up 2-0 Arsenal, three points to the Gunners. Uh, Can't ask for, honestly, too much more first game of the season. It's very difficult to come out flying for any team, as Mm -hmm. we saw this weekend. Maybe one team, Tottenham Hotspur, came out flying. But other than that, you know, there was every team had their bumps, and Arsenal certainly had their their bumps uh, on Friday. Yeah, definitely. But I think there's a lot of great takeaways. I mean, that first 20 minutes from Arsenal was just so dominant. The fluid yeah. football that they were playing. There are a few teams <laughs> in the world that would be able to keep up with them. And I think probably the biggest takeaway from that game, besides the three points, is William Saliba's, what I would say, flawless performance. Yeah. I genuinely he didn't, didn't see him need put a foot to wrong. do any more besides. He, he could have gone like above and beyond and maybe uh-huh. like scored a goal. But from a center back's perspective, there was nothing he could have done more. No, he looked so cool playing out of the back. Uh, he went hard into challenges and won the ball cleanly yeah. every single time. His judgment was great. He looked so good in the air. Mm-hmm. He just looked so calm on the ball. The way he, like, you know, he just heads balls down for his defenders and can yeah. play out of the back. I mean, he just looked so cool, calm, collected. And, and that's, that was kind of the difference on, um, on Friday was that, you know, William Saliba and Gabriel are very similar players, tall, strong players. But Gabriel had a very poor game because he was just not nearly as composed mm. in defense as Williams Saliba was. They're very similar players yeah. in stature, in size, in defensive quality. They're both pretty good on defense, but it's when you have the ball and you're in those 1v1s, do you dive in? Do you take the ball from the keeper with Wilfred Zaha bearing down on you and just play it out of bounds or spank it off of Zaha? And now mm-hmm. you're... It's a counterattack for Crystal Palace. He was playing out, playing through party, playing through um, Ben White on his right side. It's really the composure, especially in the Premier League, that that's given Van Dyke such success and will give, hopefully, Williams Leva such success. Yeah, Mikel Arteta, he, he has a great problem right now with <laughs> yeah. his center back depth right now. Yep. Because when Tommy Asu comes back, uh, I don't see any way that Ben White starts assume, at right back I would over Tommy Asu. Because Tommy Asu yeah. has been really good at right back, and it's his natural position over Ben White. Mm-hmm. And that means that either Saliba, who's looked absolutely fantastic so far for Arsenal, is getting dropped, or yeah. Saliba's you know, breaking know. into that Gabriel-Ben White partnership that we've seen last season. Yep. So Arteta's got a good problem on his and hands. we'll see. Fulham-Liverpool, another riveting contest in... I believe South London, somewhat Central London. It's by the Couldn't tell it's you. by the river. Uh, it took a half an hour to get our first action in this game. A goal from Alexander Mitrovic. Tete getting played in deep on the right side, and 
getting a cross off towards the back post where Mitrovic is there to dunk on Trent like a absolute prime, bully ball. Prime Blake Griffin, I would say. <laughs> I would say Lob City, uh, Chris Paul to Blake Griffin, something like that. Yeah, I mean, Trent versus Alexander Mitrovic <laughs> in the air. There's only ever going to be one winner. Yeah. Mitrovic didn't even hit it cleanly. No. He had it down into doesn't matter into Trent's head. Just but, more you disrespect. Know, still, still his goal, and you know. If you get beat in the air, that type of thing is going to happen. And Trent didn't even get up. He didn't even bother nope. jumping for that one. But Mitrovic hits the ground running. Yep. Uh, 39th minute. Diaz gets a chance, picks the ball up on the left side of goal, quickly shifts it onto his left and spanks it off the far post. Similarly, in the 57th minute, Cubano, pretty much the opposite, 1v1 on the left, on the left side with, I believe, Robertson or Kanate. Uh, Shifts mm-hmm. onto his right, spanks it off the left post. So, kind of a microcosm of this game. It was a lot more back and forth than we would have yeah. thought. Yeah, this is a very exciting game. I mean, I think Jordan Henderson, too, as I'm sure you have written yeah, yeah, down yeah. there, hit Late the woodwork the as well. That was in, like, so, the 90th minute, yeah. So, yeah, both teams, not only, you know, was this game a scoring frenzy, but were very close to getting a couple more as well. Mm-hmm. So, this game was not shy of attacking threat. Finally, the equalizer for Liverpool in the 64th minute. Darwin Nunez gets on the score sheet. His first goal in the Premier League. Salah playing it across to Nunez. Salah getting down the right wing. Nunez making a run just inside. Mm. I believe it was Tim Ream. Uh, and then Nunez, a nice little back backheeled uh, flick that we see often. And uh, Rodak, really no chance there. No, no, it's great center forward play from Nunez. I didn't even realize that he didn't start the game because I... No, uh, it's yeah, Firmino started the game because I only started watching at halftime, to be completely honest. But, <laughs> but no, Nunez made an instant impact. I mean, that's just what you want from your striker, just to make those runs you know, at the near post, get in front of the defender, and finish. Full and pull ahead at home in the 70th minute. Alexander Mitrovic gets his second goal. A, I would say, ticky-tack penalty goal. A on, controversial on penalty. Uh... Nonetheless, coolly slotted past Allison, who guessed right. I, it's, it's difficult because I feel like the penalty rules change every year. And it really depends on what's being called that year. You know, mm-hmm. if you take a, a penalty from 2016 out of context, it, it's going to look weird. Unless you saw what penalties were like that year. I feel like that's always the way it is in the Premier League, especially with handballs. But this yeah. wasn't a handball. Um, it's one of those where you can't overturn it because there was contact. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't, don't think they would have given the penalty had they not called it. Yeah, that's the most difficult type of penalty to call because it's always that one where there's contact, but is it enough? Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it wasn't enough, but that's just sort of the thing that you can't really tell from just looking at it. Like Maybe there was more from Mitrovic's point yeah. of view that impeded him from moving. It's really hard to tell. Yep. It could go either way, so I don't necessarily think Liverpool fans should lose too much sleep over that one. That's true. But dropping points, I don't think they're ever going <laughs> to just let that one go. Especially do a, a promoted side. Yeah. Uh, but they do get their equalizer in the 80th minute through who else? Mohamed Salah. A searching Trent Alexander-Arnold ball. Flicks off a Fulham head, lands on the feet of Darwin Nunez, whose rather errant touch sets up Salah perfectly mm-hmm. for a slotted finish. It was kind of inevitable that he would score on the opening day. Uh, but six, he, <laughs> six opening days running. That is quite some run. It's some unique record, that's for sure. And they got the, their points, and it left it late, 80th minute. You know, kind of a testament to how good Fulham were in this game. It really wasn't easy for him. Uh, but that's how it would end 2-2. Again, that Henderson chance happened yeah. later in the game. Um, but... Other than that, I think Fulham played them really tight this game. Obviously, Liverpool had the majority of the possession. That's kind of the way they are. But mm. there was no reason why Fulham couldn't have taken three points in this game. No, Fulham definitely could have taken three points. And they definitely deserved the one that they got out of yeah. it. Fulham fans will go home happy. And yeah, Liverpool weren't even really that bad. It wasn't mm. like they extremely underperformed. Obviously, they'll want to take more points out of this game as you know title challengers. Yeah. But, no, Fulham really gave them a good run for their money, and they got, I think, what they deserved. I'd like to defend myself from the Premier League previews podcast, because mm-hmm. I think that upon scouring Twitter for others Premier League, other people's Premier League previews, almost everybody had Fulham going down. Yeah. And I kind of stood up for Liverpool and said, uh, 
I don't know why they don't have the attacking talent to stay up comfortably. And on Saturday, they absolutely proved themselves as a team that can stay up comfortably. I mean, they, they play Liverpool almost dead even. Like, they, are, they will take points off of a lot of teams in this league. And when people think for some reason they didn't, uh, Mitrovic certainly proved that he is going to potentially be a 20-plus goal scorer in this league. There's no reason why Fulham can't stay up comfortably. Again, you know, you know me. I don't like to read too much into the first day. Mm-hmm. Mitrovic, in his last Premier League stint, had like four goals in his first like three games in mm-hmm. the Prem. So that's fair. I- I'm not on the train yet, but this is definitely a promising. Uh, I've sign certainly for made some bad predictions. <laughs> if we're reading into match week mm-hmm. one, Erling Holland being one of them. <laughs> uh, but I, I will, I'll take credit where credit is due. Uh, Man United, Brighton. Well, my favorite game of the weekend, personally. Uh, maybe, <laughs> this was maybe a fun. This was game. a fun watch. <laughs> the action starts off in the 30th minute, and it starts off with Man United going down a goal. Something we'll see quite a lot this season, I'm afraid. <laughs> Pascal Gross makes it one nothing. Deserved after that spell of pressure, I would say. Yeah, Brighton. Besides the first maybe 15 minutes when United dominated possession and, you know, had a couple chances, mm-hmm. Bruno had one big chance that he missed with the ball coming across the box and he just absolutely skied it. Brighton were outplaying United from the first, from after the first 15 minutes right up until the end of the half. They were yeah. truly the better side. And this was a well-worked goal. Great ball in from Leandro Trossard into Danny Welbeck, who makes a great run Answer. and puts it across the box and Gross just finishes it off. It's... This is one of those where it kind of glorifies, not glorifies, but it, it, it magnifies mm-hmm. the Man United defensive woes because this is Danny Welbeck, and he had a fantastic game, but it's still Danny Welbeck. You need to be able to contain Danny Welbeck, and when he is running free on the left side, and then everybody's kind of focused on him, and then Gross is wide open at the back post, it, it's just one of those things that magnifies how poor this Man United defense is and you know with a little bit of time left in the window how much they need to improve yeah definitely however I don't I don't completely appreciate you know the patronizing of Danny Welbeck because I think he is that guy (laughs) that guy Welbs is that guy so we're not reading into the first match week of the Premier League season unless Unless Danny Danny Welbeck (laughs) okay okay fine I'll I'll say you know who knows how he's gonna do this season but in this game he was absolutely fantastic he was everything you want from a number nine he was pacey he was strong he you know he bullied uh Lissandro Martinez on the player too. And two. not many people <laughs> yeah. can bully Lissandro Martinez. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a big feat. But no, he was superb this game. 39th minute, Man United's woes double through Pascal Gross again. Two nothing Brighton. Continued pressure from from Brighton. Shoddy defense from Manchester United. Not unlike the first goal, and the second one goes in. Yeah, United, they just look so exposed. You see so many of these teams in the Premier League who are just so difficult to break down. I mean, if you watched uh, the Man City-West Ham game, mm-hmm. Man City, they won 2-0 and they won somewhat comfortably. Mm-hmm. But West Ham's defending was so impressive. I mean, that Erling Holland penalty when he you know, got slipped in behind by Gundogan is literally the only... Yeah opening that city had all it was, only, it was like first the half fourth and fifth touch that holland had in the entire yeah. game like they were doing very well yeah and that's the kind of defending that united need now obviously west ham were sitting back that whole game yeah. but there just doesn't seem to be a defensive structure it seems like it's just every man for himself defending if you lose that 1v1 battle then yeah. the whole rest of the defense is screwed and that's yeah. how it seems for man united right now I, I mean a lot of manchester united fans of course in hindsight uh, were wondering why Veron wasn't playing, but mm-hmm. well, I don't know how he improves this. De- it's really it's he's not going to patch everything. Veron which, didn't really prove yeah. himself much either last season. Now, obviously, he came into the club with great pedigree yeah. and all that, but I mean, honestly, I'm sure Ten Hag will be trying to use yeah, what, all his assets. What to goes fix this through defense. Ten Hag's head as his determined, rigid? Uh, Premier League preseason with Manchester United is down the fucking drain in 40 <laughs> minutes as he watches his team go down 2 nothing to Brighton and Hove Albion Football Club at home. Just get me out of here. Yeah, I, like, what he... Just with the weight that he already knows he is mm. taking on, taking the Manchester United job, he sees his team go down 2 nothing on the opening day 
when it's supposed to be new beginnings, new leaf yeah. for turning over a new leaf for Manchester United. It's like I pray for his mental health, seriously, yeah. because that is just the English media. I can't I can't imagine how players and managers deal yeah. with the English media. It's terrible. Nunez had one bad preseason game <laughs> against United and for the next week it was just all not abuse, yeah. like it wasn't like that bad. Yeah. But there's just like no escaping. Uh, yeah, exactly. When you have a bad day. And the English media is just so quick to mm-hmm. just jump to conclusions and, you know, have a laugh at the expense of any and all players. I think if you're a Manchester United fan, you need to understand that it's a process. And yeah. that's something that I didn't understand at the beginning of the Arteta progress, uh, a process, admittedly. Mm-hmm. I, I understand now how much of a process it is. I understand the processes for the NFL and the MLB, how mm-hmm. like it takes a while to sell the Deadwood, tank for the draft, draft players. They need to grow up like that. I understand how it's a uh-huh. four or five year process, but I didn't understand how, like many other Arsenal fans, mm-hmm. how with if you had on basically the budget of a king, yeah, you could just sit for three years and say, oh, we're going to wait. Yeah. I think that's what Manchester United fans need to understand is that there is such mm. thing as a rebuild. Yeah. And they work. Yeah. It's not just an American sports thing. Yeah, it is harder for American fans to understand or to be patient with rebuilds in soccer because in American sports, rebuilds are almost inevitable because yeah. you know, you get the best draft picks. The, the best leagues, teams the leagues always are set up yeah. for a cyclical uh-huh. format. Exactly. That's not how Yeah. That's not how the prem works. If you get relegate it can destroy your club for eternity there's no second chances there's no, no guarantees you know there's no handouts there's nothing like that you know just look at so many of these top Premier League clubs 20 years ago that haven't seen the championship yeah. even so yeah it's harder to put trust in a rebuild but in this day and age when the top clubs have so much money even when they're not translating that onto the pitch yeah like it should be easier to have more confidence yeah. in rebuilds like that. Anyway, we may not notice it, but we're still in the middle of this uh, <laughs> Manchester United-Brighton game. A little bit of sunlight for Manchester United. Uh, the McAllister own goal, that was a comedy that was, of that errors. That was pure comedy. Usually <laughs> the comedy of errors is happening in the United you know, 18-yard box, but this time the script was flipped, and that was... Even though I was rooting against United, that was actually quite comical. Yeah, it was, it was a circus for sure. Uh, but for the seven, that happened in the 70th minute. For the 20 minutes after that, you think that that would inspire Manchester United? Mm-hmm. No, it was pretty even after that, honestly. No, no. United really didn't threaten that much. I think they got in behind maybe once, had like a nice like square ball that yeah. was blocked by Dunk or whoever else was playing back there. But even, especially in stoppage time, I... I think United barely got out yeah. of their own half. I mean, for uh, they had like seven minutes of stoppage time, and I think Brighton had the the ball for all of them. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Brighton's time wasting in the corner there. They were literally running circles around uh, the United fullbacks. It would finish Manchester United one, Brighton two. Manchester United start the season off with a loss. Brighton start the season off with a win. Uh, I mean, I would say where do we, where do they go from here? But we kind of already talked about it a little bit. It's yeah. Uh, you kind of need to trust the process. I texted it to a couple of my friends that Man United is going to go through stretches this season where they look like the best team on the planet. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to go through stretches that look a lot like this <laughs> uh, where they look like relegation fodder. And that's kind of just the way they are now. And especially yeah. the way they are going to be under a new manager. So you kind of have to take those inconsistencies as part of the of the process and again mm-hmm. i talk about the process like yeah it's clear it should be clear that i mean it's not the, with arsenal it's not never not complete yet mm-hmm. they're, but they're definitely on their way up and it should be clear that these types of things work and i think manchester united should especially their fans should take a little bit of a step back although they never really take a step back yeah uh nobody's fans take a step back nobody nobody's <laughs> premier league fan bases are that uh you know nice but Arsenal probably the most of any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not defending any fan base here. Yeah. But to be reasonable, you should take a step back and give him at least until Christmas to mm-hmm. try to figure this out. If he doesn't, then you know what? Maybe it's his fault. But 
he's inheriting Oleg on the soul shard. Soul shard. Soul shard. That, that's what I go with. <laughs> Oleg Anything else is just. Oleg. Then we're doing this. <laughs> he's he's inheriting almost all of Ole's squad. It's never gonna be easy until it's really yours, and that takes years. But at mm -hmm. least give him to Christmas. Um, some other scores. Bournemouth 2, Villa 1, so nice three points for a team that yeah. a lot of people favored to come dead last. I think everyone favored Bournemouth to go down, and I think everybody's high on Villa this season as well with yeah, the attacking options they have. That was one of the more have. secretly surprising results of the weekend, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Leeds 2, Wolves 1, nice win for U.S. men's national team Leeds. Yep, absolutely. Brendan Aronson, man of the match performance. I'm giving him the goal. I don't give a shit about his own goal. In the he, States? It's his, yeah. In the States, it's a goal. Over there in the bullshit. If you, if you want entry into the U.S., you have to admit that it was Aronson's goal. That's the first goal. question on the U.S. citizenship <laughs> test. Did Brendan Aronson score in match week one in 2022? It was uh, Newcastle 2 forced nil. One of the more uneventful games. Just kind of a one-way traffic, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Newcastle were bossing it and it was entertaining to see them boss it yeah, but it wasn't really absolutely. back and forth like uh, most again, of the games it. this season yeah and this match week uh spurs four southampton one didn't really kick off for spurs until the second goal but after the second goal it was kind of all downhill for yeah. uh for southampton uh a lot of the things that people liked about spurs this season were definitely put on display uh in this game so what's not to like if you're a spurs fan honestly yeah it's a good start to the season Everton 0, Chelsea 1. I think Chelsea would have liked to have more convincingly beaten one of the worst teams in the league. However, going to Goodison in the first game of the season, Chelsea is kind of a little bit of a shambles right now, uh -huh. let's be honest. Uh, but Koulibaly played well, Sterling played well. Mm. It's always nice to see transfers come in and play well the first game of the season. Yeah, the Goodison crowd provided a great atmosphere for yeah. Everton. And so, you know, it's not the easiest place Chelsea, to go to match week this one. was not a, like, fully deserved three points for Chelsea, I think. The winning by a Jorginho penalty is not, you know, the most convincing. Then again, Everton didn't do anything. No, to win they the didn't. Game. And Chelsea, sides. Chelsea dominated the game and maybe should have scored their own uh, a goal that wasn't a Jorginho penalty. But all in all, they would have liked to win more comfortably. But yeah. three points is three points. Yep. Nobody's really complaining. Leicester two, Brentford two. A little disappointing for uh for Leicester, for Leicester definitely. Uh, to give up two goals <laughs> and three points to a Brentford team that's favored to come close to the bottom of the table this year. You know, I said Leicester were going to underperform this year. This is kind of what I meant. Yeah, I didn't necessarily think that, you know, they'd be blowing leads left, right, and center. And obviously, it's just the first game of the season. Mm -hmm. But to be fair to them, they did look very good in that first half. They looked good pretty much up until Tony pulled one back for Brentford. Yep. And, you know, Brentford, credit to them. They had a very nice fight back in this game. And every point is precious. I mean, I have them going down. So clearly, I think they're going to be in a relegation battle. And these are the points that matter. Yep. West Ham, nil, City, two, Erling Holland off the board with two goals. And allow me to defend myself a little bit. Because this is exactly what I predicted to happen. Remember when I, in the, um, in the worst team wins draft, when I listed off the games that Holland scored in, mm -hmm. I said, Dortmund, 77% possession. Holland, two goals. A penalty. And one where he got in behind. Holland had like 25 touches in the game. This is this is going to happen, but he had he was in behind twice. He drew a penalty and scored it, and scored. That's it. Holland is a fantastic finisher, but there will be games against teams away from home where he does not get this. He was shut down for 20 minutes. I'm not talking like, oh, he like checked back, played the ball, like beat a couple guys, crossed the ball in. Nothing. No touches. He was wandering. If you watch the game, he looked lost. He did. But for a player as good as him, you really only need one chance. What I was banking on is that he didn't score those chances. He did. If the, I don't know who the referee was that day. If he didn't, or maybe if Fabianski doesn't limp off and Ariola doesn't go for the fucking shins mm -hmm. on Holland on that penalty, completely different game. And that was his one time in a semi-threatening chance in the, what was it, 20th minute? 20 minutes into the game, like, let me defend myself here a little bit. This was not a failure of prediction by me. This is exactly what I thought would happen. And let's wait at least 10 games before we jump to conclusions about Erling Haaland mm -hmm. this season. No. I, I agree with you and the things you're saying about Erling Haaland, except I just know that he's going to score these. 
Like, he, he will me. get, like, these little balls in behind. Despite all Man City's possession, Man City do play these little slip balls in behind. Holland made the most of it. On the counterattack, it's not like City never play on the counterattack. Sometimes yeah, they do. do. They did in this case. Holland took his chance. That's what he does. Holland is a pure goal scorer, and goal scorers score goals. I don't have much more to say. There's nothing really more to say except to roll right into the worst team wins update. Ethan, you have an update for us on where we stand? Yes, I do. It was quite a pleasant week for yeah, my team. your team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that front line of Holland and Nunez just popped off for your team. They did. So you had 40 points mm-hmm. this week. Not too many points coming from elsewhere. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think 9 for Nunez, 13 for Holland. That sounds about right. So that's over half your team's points huh. this week. So not off to a great start for you. My team had a very good start, 16 points. Oh the only person <laughs> who was involved in a goal in my team was Bukayo Saka. Mm-hmm. And that was only because he had the cross leading to the own goal. Not even a real life assist, just a fantasy one. But <laughs> that's what counts in this game. Mm-hmm. And then just a bunch of points from people just stepping on the field for <laughs> over 45 minutes. So, good first match week for me. Not so much for you, but it's a long season. We do have some fill-ins, however, because two, one player from each team got transferred away for Ethan mm-hmm. Kasper Schmeichel and for me, Malang Sar. So, Ethan, who will you be replacing Kasper Schmeichel with? Yes, and obviously we have to replace them with players of mm-hmm. the same exact price. Yeah. This is $5 million, uh addition. Although, actually, I am remembering now that um, FPL changes the prices week to week, week, but this player was $5 million mm-hmm. before yeah. this anyway. Uh, and that is uh, Jose Saw. Okay. Um, I actually picked this player before Connor Cody went to Everton. Mm-hmm. And just the addition of Connor Cody going to Everton solidifies this yeah, pick for yeah. me. Because, I mean, he's their captain. He's their best center back. That could They're be a, a big there, loss yeah. if they don't replace him with the quality player. Uh, but yeah, I wasn't that impressed with their game against Leeds. Again, not jumping to conclusions, but just overall for $5 million, just for a team that yeah. I don't think is going to do that well this season, Wolves. So, yeah, he's my pick. I'm going to replace Malongzar with a very similar player, uh, Shalaba. Mm-hmm. Just not going to get that much playing time. Don't really love him as a center back. I like his, his academy story is very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and he scored, I think, a brace last season in the Premier League. Maybe. He got he got a couple of goals. Yeah. Uh, but this season they have Golabali in. Thiago Silva is going to be there. As Pilagueta stayed. Uh Chilwell's healthy, Cucurella's healthy, Reese James is healthy. I just don't know where he fits. He's also not great, in my opinion. So, mm-hmm. uh, similar to Monks are almost identical, in my opinion. Same price. I'll go Shalva. All right. And that will roll us right into the predictions for next week. First game up, Arsenal-Leicester. What do you got? Arsenal-Leicester, Arsenal's first game back at the Emirates in the new season. They looked very, very promising. Uh, against Crystal Palace, nice win. Leicester also played very well. Um, up until they, you know, choked the lead mm. to Brentford. Yeah. But that is the main issue with Leicester right now. I think is defensively same as they did last year. They just look exposed, and mm. I think Arsenal will take full advantage. I don't see them keeping a clean sheet this time around, but I think that they'll get a somewhat nervy 2-1 win against Leicester. Okay. I'm going to go a little more in Arsenal's favor because this is going to be a energetic Arsenal atmosphere. First game of the season. The most preseason expectation we have had in five, maybe ten years. You know, maybe maybe the, the Leicester season because I think we were almost title favorites that season. Yeah. Uh, so maybe there was a little bit of expectation there, but Certainly since then, we have not had this type of expectation. If the team looked anything like it does, uh, like it did against Palace, which I don't know why it wouldn't, it's going to be one-way traffic, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm going to say 3-0 to Arsenal. Wow. Clean sheet. Yeah, I'm not sure I can see Arsenal keeping out Leicester. I mean, Mm -hmm. just because Leicester have looked really good going forward i mean and the attacking options that they have arsenal weren't perfect defensively against palace Mm -hmm. but again i wouldn't be surprised if arsenal have a convincing win arsenal's uh chelsea spurs next i'll take this one first so we alternate uh this is a tough one because i truly think that chelsea are better on paper 
However, Spurs are just the unit right now, much more of a complete unit. I can't really see Spurs not taking three points in this game, and especially because Chelsea's the more possession-based team, and Spurs absolutely beat up on teams that dominate pressure against them, yeah. whoever you are. Uh, Chelsea's kind of disconnection right now, which was, if you watch the all 90 minutes against uh, Everton, which I did, you kind of saw they weren't fluid, as fluid as you'd like them to be. They were good. They moved the ball around. They generated chances, but they weren't as fluid as what they were in Tuchel's prime with Chelsea. But Spurs are, and they are going to get a lot of really good opportunities to score. The only way Chelsea take points in this game is if Spurs don't take their chances, in my opinion. Um, I'm going to say Spurs 3, Chelsea 1. Well, obviously, as we know, I'm not quite as harsh on Chelsea as you are, and I think they're a bit better of a defensive team than you perceive. Mm. However, they didn't look very good on defending the counterattack against Everton. Everton got in behind them a lot. They looked quick on the break, and they just didn't take their chances. That will not be the case against Spurs. Spurs will generate much more chances. Many more? Many. English? (laughs) Many. Many more chances uh, against Chelsea than Everton did, and there's no doubt that they will be far more clinical. Uh, I still like Chelsea a lot, and it's a top-six matchup. Chelsea's at home. They're going to make it difficult for Spurs. So even though I do like Spurs more as a team and can see them scoring more goals, I think in Chelsea's home opener, they're going to make it really difficult for Tottenham. So I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. Liverpool versus Crystal Palace at Anfield. First game at Anfield in the new Premier League season. What do you got? Uh, I got a Liverpool win here. I think that they will bounce back from uh, their performance against Fulham. Uh, Palace impressed in moments during the Arsenal game, especially in the mm-hmm. second half. But Liverpool won't allow um, themselves to be dominated like that, like Arsenal did, especially at home mm-hmm. at Anfield. Um, there's no doubt Palace have threat on the counter, so I could see them grabbing a goal, but definitely at least two or three goals from Liverpool. So I'll say a convincing 4-1 win for Liverpool. Okay, here is what I will say about this game. And I know we talked about it over the weekend. Um, that Crystal Palace's field is a little smaller. Yeah. Which lends itself to the Crystal Palace kind of physicality that they displayed against Arsenal prominently. Um, Connor Gallagher kind of thrived in that environment because he's a very physical player. I think they're going to make it very difficult for Liverpool because Anfield is also a smaller field, I believe. So I'm going to say 2-1 Liverpool. I think Liverpool get the win because, let's be honest, they always find a way. and I think they're going to at home in their first home game. I, I don't think it's going to be as down as you think. I think we're going to look back at this game and say Palace could have easily taken a point. But Liverpool are going to get three points. I'll say two to one Liverpool. And now on to the all new, all new <laughs> gold draft. And here's how the gold draft is going to work. Uh, it's not really a draft. I shouldn't say draft. Uh, it's a draft. But yeah, like... weekly, weekly goal picks. This is mm. going to be a season long competition. Here's how it works. Me and Ethan have chosen three players, midfielders, forwards, uh, mid- midfielders, forwards, defenders, goalkeepers, managers, doesn't matter. Uh-huh. Uh, three players we think are going to score a goal this weekend in match week two. However, the other person has picked three players to block from our players. So let's say I, th- I pick Salah, Holland, and Kane. Ethan blocked. Sala, Hall, and Holland, and Mikel Antonio. Ethan would then get to pick two players for me of any starting Premier League forwards in the league. So basically, my punishment, because he blocked it, is that I have to now suffer with fucking, I don't know, Sam Surridge as striker. So it's kind of a way to counteract us just picking... Sala and Kane every fucking week. Yeah. It, you kind of need to be a little bit strategic about it. Mm-hmm. And same thing, uh, simplest point scoring rules ever. You score a goal, you get a point. 
Score a hat trick, that's three points. Brace, two points. Goal, one point, and so on. Yep. Keep a rolling tally throughout the season. Whoever has more points at the end of the season wins. There'll be a forfeit. We will not decide that forfeit at this current moment. You want to do your picks first? I we both have our picks and our blocks down, so it really doesn't matter who goes first. Yeah. Um, you make your picks first. Okay. So I have my blocks down. We'll we'll both do our picks. Mm-hmm. You do your picks. And you can do a little explanation if you want. Not too okay. long. Um, and then I'll do my picks. All right. So and then we'll say afterwards who, if there are any blocks. Mm-hmm. So I'll go with my more obvious players first, or my bigger names. First one is Xingmin Son. Okay. Um, I only have Spurs scoring one goal, but hopefully Son will mm-hmm. be that goal. Um, Son scored 23 goals last season. It's inevitable that he's going to get a lot this season in that Spurs attack. So I have him first name on here. Do you want to go as we go or by the time I finish or after I finish my... Uh... We'll both do our picks. Okay. You do three picks, I do three picks, and then we'll say if we block Okay. Him. Second one is Darwin Nunez. Um, I know you don't like Nunez, so I feel like for some reason that would discourage you from picking him for me. Maybe it didn't. But, again, I have Liverpool. high <laughs> IQ if I was like, he wouldn't think that I would pick. I would block it, so I'm going to block Well, it. I guess we'll find out. But anyway, uh, yeah, I have Liverpool scoring a lot of goals this weekend, so mm-hmm. I think it's inevitable that Nunez will get in on the act. I assume that he'll start over for me now That's this a- week, but, you know. That's not a real assumption because mm. he didn't start in the Community Shield and he didn't start in match week one, so who really knows? But I think with the goals he scored, I think he's proven himself that he'll be the starting nine at one point or another. Hopefully it's sure. by this week. And my third pick, not quite as obvious, is Danny Ings. Mm-hmm. I believe he is home to... Did he start at the weekend? Yeah, I think he did. Okay. Uh, I think Watkins was on the bench. Mm. But I guess you never know because they have so many attacking yeah. options who may start. Um, for some reason, I'm blanking on who they're playing this week, but I like their matchup nonetheless. And I think, you know, he's a less obvious pick, but could very much be in the goals. Sure. So my picks. First up, Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, first game at home, weak opponent. All right, when I made this pick, I remember them playing just like a relegation fodder opponent. I mean, I think it's Bournemouth, maybe? Uh, it, who they're playing this week? Yeah. Is it Bournemouth or Forest? Not it could Forest. Be Forest. I think it was Bournemouth. Because Forest. It, it was. It was a home. team yeah. that I think that he's going to score a lot of goals mm-hmm. on. Also, he likes to score goals in the games where they dominate because those strikers don't get involved because there's so much, you know, yeah, so compact up there that it's really him that makes that secondary run. Uh, so I think De Bruyne could get one, if not two, goals this weekend. They're going to be eighty-seven percent possession. It's going to be a nightmare for uh for a weak Bournemouth team. I like De Bruyne. Second, Patrick Bamford. Mm-hmm. Played really well last week. Uh, I, I don't really give a shit who they're playing. I think he's going to score. He played really well um, <clears throat> last week against uh, Brentford. No. Wolves. Wolves. Um, didn't get on the score sheet, I believe. But he no. will get on the score sheet this week because he's a really good player. And I just want to wait for him to get off to a good start, which I think he did, to pick him. So I'm picking him. Third, Bukayo Saka. Uh, you saw in my prediction, I really like Arsenal this week. I think it's going to be one-way traffic. And Saka's a penalty kick taker. If they get a penalty, he's going to take it. Uh, I think he'll have a lot of space on the wing. Played decently well against the... I mean, everyone had a good game against Palace. Um, I, it was between Saka or Jesus, but I just went with Saka because I didn't think he'd block him. I think he might have blocked Jesus. So yeah. I went Saka. So, did you block any of my players? I did not. I did have Jesus written down, so... There you go. Big smart, brain. <laughs> smart pick from you. Unfortunately for Ethan, I blocked him once on. I blocked Kane, Son, and Sokka. So you Tough. will be playing with Samson, a striker this week. <laughs> did he start last week? Against uh, Villa? Whoever the starting striker was for Bournemouth... I mean, whoever the starting striker is for Bournemouth against Manchester City, I believe it's Manchester City. Uh, I'm going to look yeah. up who it is right now. Whoever it is, that's who you're going with. But the rest you got. Mm. Um, my my picks for you besides Jesus were uh, it is Bournemouth. But it's Man City Bournemouth. Were Mosal and Ivan Tony. I went with just two picks where I just wanted to make sure you didn't have them, mm. or just reverse psychology where they're so obvious that you think I would be more sneaky. Yeah. And then Ivan Tony is just you know, just a less you know, 
guarantees for goals, but still a good strike. Well, I, I, I the reason for my block is because I, like you saw my predictions, I think that Spurs are going to have a flurry of chances. Uh, Kane or Son was going to score a goal this week, guaranteed, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And I didn't want you to have either of them. So, took them both off the board. Uh, but now you got Sam Surridge, or a, like, equivalent. <laughs> <laughs> well, who started for Bournemouth last week? Huh? Oh, right. I gotta look. Um, well, they played well. They won 2 nothing. so. Yeah. Uh, it was... You gotta look like an idiot when Bournemouth beat City 5-0 at the Etihad. <laughs> uh, it was not Sam Surridge. Kiefer Moore, I believe, was the starter. I thought he came off the bench, I think. Well, Solanke definitely started, but I'm not, not sure. He did not come off the bench. He started. Kiefer Moore started. Kiefer Moore started. And he got an 80th minute goal. So yeah, there you go. Get a goal. You're welcome. I got Kiefer Moore. <laughs> I guess Dominic, yeah, I'll give you Kiefer Moore. I could have given you Dominic Solanke because he's technically forward, but I'll give you Kiefer Moore because I already, Marty, pocketed here. All right. I don't mind that. Kiefer Moore is very good in the air, you know. All Bournemouth knees, one cross in. <laughs> well, they, more, they might need a little more than that. But. <laughs> uh, He's being every, every city uh, center back in the air. Like. <laughs> Moving on to our outro segment. A new segment called Ethan versus Twitter. It may turn to Brayden versus Twitter at some point, but uh-huh. for today it's Ethan versus Twitter, and this is how it's going to work. I have scoured the internet and absolutely scoured i spent a lot of time looking uh for some pretty questionable twitter takes but i've also mixed in some fake tweets that i have come up with off right off the dome i'm gonna mix them in and i'm gonna see if you can guess which one is which how does that sound sounds good very simple all right to start off with tuchel proved he can beat anyone my manager it's gotta be you i don't nobody no Chelsea fan is brimming with that much pride after that performance. Can beat anyone? It was Everton. <laughs> don't, don't tell me an actual person. What's your final this. answer? My final answer is that this is you. I came up with this one. Okay, yeah. No, there's no, there's no way. All right. I'm thankful for the world that a tweet like this is not out there. I mean, it may be. Who knows? But. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Lissandra Martinez might be the best defender in the world. That, that's got to be you again, because, again, he didn't do anything this weekend. Like, if, if United won, and, he, and they said that, obviously, like, it's bullshit, but, like, at least, you know, United won or kept a clean sheet or something, and <laughs> they said that. We can't say it after losing at home to Brighton in the first game, especially when he didn't even play well. So, again, this has got to be you. This is a tweet. <laughs> no. From United Trey. You know, from United, United, United right? I tweet. I can show you the screenshot after. Did you tweet after the Brighton game? I don't know when the screenshot was from. I don't know when the <laughs> exact tweet was, but okay. I guess nonetheless, even if you said, even if you told me it was before the Brighton game, I still wouldn't. Bl- I don't think you played the game before the Brighton game anyway. But no matter when it was, you can't be saying that. Especially United Trey, like he needs to maintain a reputation of like. Not being, like, a complete, like, buffoon. <laughs> I don't know. That might be his, his thing. <laughs> oh, God. This was in response. This could have been mm. in response to the Marko Arnautovic bid getting denied. Can't see United winning the league now. Yeah, I can see that being real. Just, like, you know, normal, like, sarcastic tweet. It is your type of sarcastic humor, but... No, I can definitely see that being a real tweet. That's so I'm tweet. gonna go real. Yeah. That is a that is a that is a tweet. Unverified user this time. Uh-huh. But this is a tweet. Can Frank De Young stop crying about twenty million dollars for fuck's sake? We need you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. This is a tough one. This is a very tough one. <laughs> Yeah, United fans would definitely be like, come on, 20 mil? Like, <laughs> come on, what, what, what's 20 million to, you know, playing in this United midfield? Like, come on. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say that's real. That, that's what my gut's telling me, so I'm saying this is real. I made that up. Really? Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Impressive, back. impressive. Spurs Premier League to lose. They simply look unbeatable at the moment with Conte. Somebody had to say it. 
Yeah, I could see that being real. There, there's a lot of Spurs title hype, overhype, you know. I won't say it's complete delusion because a lot of people genuinely think that they could be in the title race like for a decent bit of the season, which I don't necessarily disagree with. But yeah, obviously on soccer Twitter, stuff is going to be overblown by this. So I'm going to say it's real. I came up with that too. Really? Yep, I'm on fire right now. All right, last one. The only reason any of this is happening is because of Ronaldo ruining the team just like he did at Juve. That one screams real to me too, but then again, it seems like you know the essence of soccer Twitter very well. I was born and well. raised yeah. on soccer Twitter. So, Do not discount me. The first couple seemed unrealistic, but the, these back three have <laughs> are really stumping me. Hmm. But no, that definitely seems like something a delusional United fan would say. So I'm going to go real for a third time in a row. Hopefully this time I'm right. It is real. Right, that is good. a real tweet. He even <laughs> threw in the skull emojis afterwards. <laughs> but that rounds it out. What were you, two for six? <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, I missed two, I think. I think those... No, you missed the $20 million one. You missed the Spurs Premier League Blues one. You got the two cool one. These were those were all my made up ones. Okay. Uh, you got the Ronaldo one. You got the can't see United win the league. You got that one, and you didn't get the United J one. So you were two for six. Damn. Unlucky, mate. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll get worse at writing tweets. But until then, we'll wait until match week two. Should be an exciting one. A lot of yeah. teams that played on the road getting to play their first home games. A lot of very saucy matchups. Our first big six game, quote unquote, big six game of the mm. year. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I mean, it was a great start to the season. This is this is one of the best opening weekends I can remember. It yeah. seems like most of these games were real back and forths. So, without without a big six game too. Yeah, without a big six game, there are some really really nice games, some good upsets. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Next time we see you guys, I will be halfway across the country. So. Signing off. See you guys next week. See ya.